I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Watch Less, Complex's podcast about movie and TV culture. Special edition of the podcast. Happy holidays to everybody. As always, I'm Cal, deputy editor of Complex's pop culture channel. The homie Frazier Tharp, the summer man's in the building. Yes, sir. Happy Memorial Day. Random question. Random question. Thinking about the summer man, we recently uh, talked about you know the Mad Men season finale. Are you as we're quarantined going into summer? Are you good? Or are you pissed? Because I know this is your favorite <sighs> time of year. I mean, we're still at the outset, so I'm holding on to hope. Roof's open. My roof is open, so that's cool at least. Uh, I can socially distance up there and mind my business. but Big facts. Hope, hopefully you guys are socially. I, I know it sucks because it is Memorial Day when we're dropping this episode. Uh, you should still be socially distancing. You can still catch that Rona out there. But that's why we've got special treats like this. Uh, we've been kind of going heavy on Insecure, but it's not for, you know, the terrible reason. It's been a good season so far. Yeah, it's um, a big season to to talk about. Yeah, yeah. It, again, season three felt like such a buildup for season four that everything I've been waiting for since season three started airing is happening. Um, we're in the midst of the schism between Issa and Molly. This ep- this week's episode very uh, Molly heavy. Took a little took a little flight out. Vacation, a little vacation, and uh, it was it was actually directed by one of your favorites. Well, I don't. It's it's a certain segment of the audience's favorites. Half of the audience's (laughs) favorites. If you're if you're Team Lawrence, if you're if you've been Lawrence Hive since the very beginning, Lawrence Hive, big Lawrence Hive on this podcast. I'm sorry to say, um, again. I'm part of the reason I'm a Molly apologist is because East has been doing crazy shit since episode one, including, uh, you know, stepping out on her ex now. Um, but the, the homie Jay Ellis, Lawrence himself directed his directorial debut was this week's episode. So if it, it made sense to have, have the man on the pod this week, uh, I gotta say, in in the time of the Rona, I think it's hard to interview somebody via, even via Zoom and like get that personal feeling. But this man, yeah, charmer, big Definitely. big smiles, big uh, big energy, nice warm guy, just, just like a really friendly person to start talking to. I feel like I I say it a lot when I have a good conversation, but I do think if we were like, yo, you want to talk for another half hour, you'd be like, bet. Yeah, yeah, we definitely could have shot this shit some more and. Um... It was a really good, uh, you know, even across Zoom faces. Yeah, it, it did really have that uh, that conversational feel that that we really try to go for with these big facts. No now, glitches. It, <laughs> praise be to the internet gods out there. Uh, it's interesting because I, I think a lot of people, especially a lot of people in our audience, probably first saw Jay on. Insecure. I think that's definitely where I first saw his face. But the man's been acting. He's been acting for like 15 years. He's done a lot of TV stuff. I think he's done episodes of Bold and the Beautiful. He was on an episode of Nickelodeon's iCarly. But I think if you watch the game, you might know him as Blueprint. Bryce Blueprint Westbrook. He was on. He did like 45 episodes of that. Um, you know, you see him around. He's got one of the more surprising hits in terms of horror in 2019 was Escape Room. And it was dope to see him acting in that as well. Um, you should be seeing him whenever Top Gun Maverick comes out. What a look. What a look. He um shout he shares some stories about uh, you know, interacting with Tom Cruise when we talk. You can't also, not but, ask anyone who's worked with Tom Cruise about working with Tom Cruise. Like and what I like, you know, he has a good story about it because 
there are certain people who, no matter how many years you've been in Hollywood now, you're still going to be a fan of. hundred percent. I mean, again, we, we've talked about the death of the movie star. Tom Cruise is like one of the certified movie stars in the game right now. So you, you can't not be in awe when he work, walks into a room. You can't, uh, you, whatever interaction you're going to have with one of like the dons of the game right now is going to be legendary. Shouts out to him for sharing that story. You can hear that in the interview as well. He also talks about how, because he's got some, uh, you know, familial ties to the Air Force, you know, flying, you know, planes and things like that. His family was involved in that back in the day. So, you know, he gets a little personal sharing those stories and, and the reasons why he decided to, uh, you know, pursue a film like this. Again, he talks about, you know, wanting to direct. I'm assuming this is a... Uh, this is not a one and done. He does have plans to get in a director seat more. And again, <laughs> it's insecure season. He's talking a lot about the show. He's talking a lot about Lawrence and, and the issues going on there. Um, he, get, he spills a little bit about the episode. Not too crazy, but, you know, he does give us a, a vibe for, uh, you know, what it was like shooting his preparation and shooting this particular episode as well as just being a director. Um, and again, just can't say nothing bad about the guy. Can't say nothing bad about Lawrence. Shouts out, Jay Ellis. We'll get into that interview after this quick break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's good with you? You know, just uh, another day out here in quarantine, man. Not, not being <laughs> real people. <laughs> yeah. How's that been for you? I feel like Frogger when I'm running around the streets. Like I'm like <laughs> around people. I'm like, like, you know I noticed myself doing the thing where I'm walking down the street and I see somebody coming down on the sidewalk. So I cross the street to make sure I'm not near them. I did that earlier today. Yeah, man. It's crazy. It's, it's insane how like, I don't know, a few days ago I went walking and um, and I've been doing a lot of walks. Like I walk, walk every single day. And, and like, everybody was so nice two days ago. Like, it was crazy. Everybody was like, hey, hi. Like, it was <laughs> the most anyone had acknowledged me while walking in the last month, right? <laughs> and then today, it was, like, the exact opposite. It was like everybody – it's like we all zombies, and every one of us thinks – that like we're trying to bite the other one's neck and make them into a zombie. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, no, 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 I'm not even, I don't even want to make eye contact with you. Jesus. It's crazy. You was making Lawrence Hive, you really making zombie hive. Bruh. <laughs> Are you keeping up any like uh routines or anything to stay sane in all this? Yeah, I've been doing a lot of routines. So I wake up pretty early every single morning, uh uh do some reading, um, do some emails then usually do a walk sometime at like three in the afternoon, usually from three to five, go on a walk, like a long walk. Uh, and then I got a little baby. So we put her to bed at six o'clock every single night. So like, I think because of her, I have routine. If it wasn't for her. Mm. All right. Yeah. That makes, yeah. Sense. makes a lot of sense. I mean, like Monday, Monday, I, Monday, I gave up. Monday was the first day I literally laid on the couch. I watched Casa de Papel all day monday like i did not move <laughs> at all from the couch on monday felt guilty felt bad but also felt good well, yeah. do, you, do you get I mean, a lot of days where you get you know just to sit and veg out or is that one of the only ones in in, in this or just in general when we're it, not in, we're not in this crazy world that we're in now i mean currently current because that's what a lot of people are doing a lot of people are just vegging out in front of the tv no, nah, I, I mean, I, you know, obviously I'm not in front of a camera acting right now, but like I just I got a lot of other stuff going on. You know, I'm, uh, I got, you know, obviously Insecure comes out this weekend and then mm -hmm. next week I, I'm on this limited series called Mrs. America um, on FX and Hulu. That's OK. Coming um, and then, uh, you know, prepping for Top Gun to come out and then I have a couple of different things in development. 
I'm writing a little bit. So no, man, like I, I honestly don't get time to pitch. Monday, you know, in 20, Monday was probably like my 23rd, 24th day being locked in. In all honesty, that was the first day where like I did not work at wow. all. Like I literally Damn. just didn't watch TV all day. Um, Issa was the same way. When we talked to her, she was like, yeah, i just been working. I got this script. I got this other script. I got this other script. Like, just too much stuff to do. Because <laughs> well, you know what happens is, I think we end up spending, like I find with myself, and I know this with Issa because we talk about it too, but, but like we end up spending so much. Everybody's like, yo, where's the next thing? Like, where's the script at? Where's the project at? Where's da da da? But then mm-hmm. they'll literally be like, yo, you got to be here at two o'clock. You got to be there at six o'clock. You got to be there at nine o'clock. And then in the morning, we're going to pick you up at 6 30 to go to this thing. And you're like, yo, I can't give you the thing that you keep asking me for <laughs> if you don't let me sit at home and get it done. And right. th- this is just one of those moments because we don't have to really be nowhere. Like, you know, you try to get as much done as you possibly can, you know, and catch That's what's up and get ahead. That's a positive. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, the show is coming back. How does it feel? Because uh, we were talking to Issa about this, too. This You guys are on, like, a really long break this time. Was it, like, yeah. uh, refreshing to come back? Or, like, was it good, a good reset almost? It was both, man. I think it was, you know, I think I'll say this. Like, I think we're really lucky in that, like, we truly have, I don't know, what is it? seven of us eight of us like in our full cast that like truly love each other and our writers like every it's a love affair with everybody which is really 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 rare none of us ever get tired of each other and we're not we're not together for 24 episodes either where you can wear on somebody's nerves so like that's probably that's party part of it is like we only got 11 weeks and then we out until next year so there's also that but i think for us like you know, we we had a big break, I think, for a couple reasons. Seasons one through three came so fast. Mm-hmm. Our writers really didn't get a break. Issa became a big movie star. Um, you know, Yvonne was writing her book. Uh, I was out doing uh, Top Gun. And so I just think that, like, it, it's one of those distance makes the heart grow fonder things. Like, we already mm-hmm. loved each other to begin with. But then when we spent that much time away from each other, we were so happy to be back with each other. And I think you know, every filmmaking experience is completely different because you got a whole new crew of people that you're trying to get in, in line with all of a sudden. And because we're already in step together, I think we were all um, wanting that, yeah. you know, from our other experiences that were all great and like gave us growth or whatever. But I think we all were wanting like, oh, I can't wait till my game gets back yeah. and just get in line again. You know what I mean? And just like step right back into it. It's, it's, it's got to be good for you because uh, season three, there was a there was a lot of time where you weren't on screen, you know. We've been able, you know, Fraser and I have been able to watch. We we've watched a number of the screeners. There, there's one screener we haven't gotten to yet because we wasn't able to do it time wise. But uh, it's good to see you, you know, back in the fold and actually, you know, regularly on on screen. How's it feel for you to uh, to be back like that? Man, last year was a vacation. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> another one. Dude, they wanted to give me another little vacation. Nah, uh, it feels good, man. I think, you know, last year was fun. I will say last year was interesting. Season three was interesting because it was the first time, you know, when you're in it, you're in the machine, man. And it's churning and, and, it, and it don't stop until it mm-hmm. stops. And so you don't really get a chance to step back and just be a fan of the show because you're mm. all in it, right? right? Like it was the first time. That was my first summer off since I started the game. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I have promoted a show every single summer since the game. Cause the game, we used to come on in the summer, in the spring and in the summertime. So I've literally worked every single summer up until last year. That was the first time where I didn't have to go. I didn't go down to essence. I didn't go to, you know, ABFF. I didn't mm-hmm. go out and do all the talk shows and do all the magazines. Like I actually got to chill a little bit. So that was in all honesty, nice, but it gave me a chance to just like be a fan of Issa and Issa's storyline and Molly and Molly's storyline. And, and also see how like I missed Lawrence on screen. So then when this season comes back around, when season four comes back around, I think, you know, I I um I I I am more um I'm trying to look, think of the word. Like I'm 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 obviously excited, but like I, I see the bigger picture so much mm-hmm. more. I see how Lawrence and why Lawrence fits in this story. And I see why people connect to him, react to him or triggered by him, whatever it may be. Like I understand it so much more um, because I had a chance to step back and look at it without him being in it. You know what I mean? And like, to me, that was, that was a great thing. And then as an actor, like, you know, I'm, 
I'm a narcissist, like all of them. Like I love being on screen. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I, that's what I was gonna ask. Like you know, some actors would be a little hesitant at the idea. Like, are you gonna keep me on for how many episodes? Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't think you know. I think uh, when Issa and Prentice first told me about it, like I wasn't excited. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't like, oh, okay, yeah, bet y'all want to give me like three more episodes off. Like I wasn't excited about it, but I also had this moment where like you know it's tough because i think like it's this ego id like thing that you're constantly fighting where you're like yo i want to work i want to be on screen like i'm you know what i mean and then you have to step back sometimes and go like this is isa's vision and isa's story and i'm here to support that and i win by supporting that and if in the show wins we all win, right? If I support that and I do my job. And so I think sometimes you kind of, you know, you have to step back and look at the bigger picture. And I think when Issa and Prentice explained to me their reason for wanting to have Lawrence out at the beginning of season three, it made sense, right? Like I've been in relationships and broke up and like never spoke to the person again. You know what I mean? Like that happens. And then randomly crossed them at a Ralph's like while I was getting groceries, you know what I mean? Like, that happens uh, or, or randomly in New York at the subway bumped into somebody once, like it <laughs> randomly happens. Yeah. But I think, um, you know, as an actor, of course, I think, you know, the hairs on you, it's always a red flag, the hairs on the back yeah. of your neck stand up. But I think when you, when you stand back and if you look at it from a storyteller lens, you understand like your role on the team and, and playing your part and how we all win. If it, if it works, we all win, which I think it worked last year. Yeah. Now you mentioned um, people getting strong reactions to Lawrence. You have a whole hive out there. Let's go. What has it been like to even like contend with that? And you know, you, you touched on this a little bit, but what do you think it is about Lawrence that inspired that, especially so early in the series run? Like you had a very strong, fervent fan base that was riding for Lawrence, and even even people who don't like Lawrence, it's like a very hot debate either side. Yeah, you know, I I I remember when we shot the finale for season one where Lawrence is with Tasha. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I remember Prentice being like, yo, black Twitter about to go off. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, bro. Like, I don't think so. And he was like, I'm telling you when they see this episode, people are going to go off. He was like, girl, women are going to be triggered. Dudes are going to be like, that's my guy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he was like, I'm telling you, it's going to cause so much discussion and so much like conversation. And I was like, I don't know, man. Well, we in a bubble. Like we see that, but like you never know what happens. And I remember I was on a flight um, coming home from a film festival um, in India and we stopped in Dubai and the episode started right when the plane took off. So I tweeted like a few things and then got on the plane. Got, and then 13 hours later, landed in L.A. And I remember landing in L.A. And now, mind you, my, my phone had been plugged in for the whole 13-hour flight. So my phone is charged. Yeah. It took me about an hour and 20 minutes to get home, hour and 30 minutes to get home from the time I landed to the time I got home. My phone died Damn. in the car on the way wow. to the house because my Twitter blew up. My Instagram was blowing up. My emails were blowing up. I have friends texting me. I have friends texting me that I didn't even know watched the show. <laughs> didn't even know that I knew that uh, I was, I didn't know that they knew I was on the show. People I hadn't talked to since college. It was crazy. And at that moment, it just made me realize like that journey, I think was so interesting because either you've been him, you know him, he's your boy. Uh, you're trying to dodge being him in some way, whatever it is. Like, I think we all, and I think it's a lot more women too, who <laughs> don't want to admit it, but I think we all in some ways, like we are that dude in some way. Like we've all been down a little bit and depressed and like afraid and not sure how to go after the thing we want. And then, you know, you end up taking a job that you don't want because you're trying to be better, whether it's being better for somebody or whether it's, you know, whatever you're trying to be better. And then all of a sudden, like it doesn't work out and you get your heart broke and Issa makes a really horrible decision and throws away the best relationship she's probably ever had in her life. And she's a really horrible person before it. And nobody should ever <laughs> like her as a character. And I'm really not sure why the show is based on her because it was just <laughs> such a horrible decision. But <laughs> no, but I think, you know, I think we've all had some version of that happen. Like the dude was trying to get back on track and, and had got back on track in some ways. And, and 
and then it all obviously went sideways. And so I think, you know, a lot of us can, can relate to that for sure. Whether it's the heartbreak of it, whether it's the work piece of it, whether it's the trying to get better for somebody, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us can really relate to that. And I think we also haven't seen that from a black man on screen before, to be honest with you. And there's a really interesting, um, I forget which episode it was because they sent us the first five. Mm -hmm. And we're going to put this out after those air, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It was a good little binge session. It was a good binge session, but it's also like, damn. I, I need everything else more? right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know. <laughs> so um, I forget which episode it was, but it was interesting to hear Issa kind of say that it's almost like she went through the Lawrence growing phase and now Condola gets to enjoy mm-hmm. it without the struggle, which mm. I anticipate being a, a big timeline debate. Yeah. But I think that's, I mean, again, like this Issa character, I don't know, man. <laughs> Oh no! I think you know. I think here. What I think is interesting about that is that, like, I, I don't know. My guess is it would have happened. It may have happened. It obviously would have happened in his own time. But I don't know if Lawrence would be the dude he was had Issa not done what she did. Like, I don't know that he would have had that full circle to grow up. That that moment to grow up and make some bad decisions, but yeah. get in his job and you know try to find his way in his job and give up on the app and realize that like maybe that's not what he wants to be doing or should be doing anymore maybe he's more effective and could be more successful in another way like i don't know if he would have had that had isa not done that i don't know that she necessarily would have reaped the benefits like would have reaped the reward had she (laughs) stayed with him you know what i mean like i think in some ways like he had to go through that in order to, push to be the dude who she now looks at and is like, oh, somebody else is reaping the benefits of all my work. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Definitely. I mean, but I guess the way you answered the question earlier, I'm wondering, do you do you think that Issa and Lawrence are endgame? Like, are you riding for them to be the, the relationship that wins when this show was all said and done? I don't know. Part of me is a as a as a it's funny, like as a fan, like I'm like, yeah, man, I love love. Like I want them to be together. You know what I mean? Like I want them to figure it out and win. And I think the part of me as a storyteller goes like, but that's also not life. Life is messy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, I don't want to, I, however it ends, what I don't want is for it to feel like a pretty bow was tied and like mm-hmm. it was the perfect ending. What I wanted to feel like is like, if that's how they end up, cool. I'm very happy with that but there's still a little bit of dirt there. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. still a little bit of like, there's past, there's history, there's whatever it is. And maybe they've worked around it and they've grown up, but like, there's still always something there. You know what I mean? And like, I don't want to, I wouldn't want to just tie it up in this pretty bow. Um, but I do, I do root for them being in each other's life in some way. Gotcha. Now it's also interesting because you, word is that you directed an episode this season, right? Sure, yeah. Talk. Yeah. This is the first time you step behind the, the director's chair. Yeah, in TV for sure, man. I did some web series before, and I had done some um, some skits and stuff. Um, but this was the first time where I really got to like dive in and and really tell a, a longer format story. And it was amazing, man. I was super fortunate. Like I, I, I shadowed a ton to begin with. Like I shadowed Melina uh, in the finale of season two. Okay. I, I shadowed um, uh, on Black Monday. Uh, okay. Showtime. I shadowed on uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Okay. Uh, Love that I shadowed show. on uh, Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I got to go make a couple films along the way. So like, I was just always behind the director and, and kind of just always listening and, you know, getting to go make Top Gun was crazy because Joe Kaczynski, our director, has done three amazing films and, you know, is now doing Top Gun, but he had done these amazing films. So hearing his perspective was 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 amazing, who was a dude who was an architect by trade and like all of a sudden he's telling visual stories. And then while we're there, we also get Christopher McQuarrie, who does the Mission Impossible movies. <laughs> go. Like, and he's right there every single day, too. So now I'm getting to bounce like questions and answer, you know, questions off of him about stuff. 
And then fast forward, like we get into the season and I hit Jordan Peele and I was like, yo, bro, I, I know you're the busiest person in the world, <laughs> but I just, I'm not asking you for a job, but if you want to give me one, cool. I just want like an hour of your time to like, just talk to you about your process. And so I went and sat with him and just talked to him a lot. And I don't know, I got really, really lucky. I felt like I had some really good guidance and mentors, if you will, to like really bounce stuff off of and learn from. And yeah. then, you know, our show has its look, but I think what was great is I got to learn how I wanted to put my point of view on something that's already been established. And I think what was really unique about my, about my episode specifically is like we shoot out of the country on my episode so now all of a sudden it's like okay what does insecure look like when we're not in america like what does it look oh, like wow. when we're not in la mm. you know what i mean and not down the street at coachella like what does the show look like and so i got to really play um and i'm super super grateful for you know isa and prentice and hbo and melina you know trust me mm. that's crazy and you also are following um i know stella Maggie directed five yeah and then Kerry Washington directs one this yeah. season too. Yeah. Yep, there was some heavy hitters. Yeah. Beast. Beast. <laughs> and then Prentice does our finale. Um, our DP, uh, Ava, who was nominated for an Emmy last year for Insecure, she directs eight. Um, it's like, I'm like, yo, I'm like, yo. Oh, man. I don't think we have a week episode this season, but if we did, I pray it's not mine. That's all I got. <laughs> Fingers I crossed on that one. I'm surrounded by giants. Are, are you in a situation right now where you want to get more directing work out of the way? You know, it's interesting, man. I don't, I don't, you know, if, if East and Prentice will have me back and Melina and HBO will have me back next season, obviously I would love to do another uh, a show, another uh, episode of Insecure. Um, I don't know about TV just yet. Like, I feel like it's something that like, I want to be really passionate about or something that I like love and want to watch myself. Like, for example, like I would go do an episode of Rami in a heartbeat, uh -huh. an episode of Atlanta in a heartbeat. I'd go do, you know, um, I don't know, The Shy. I, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like things that like I am personally really drawn to, Silicon Valley, Black Monday, like things that I'm personally drawn to, I would go do. Um, I don't know that I would want to just be like a roaming, bouncing around TV director. I don't think that's me. I think ultimately, for me, it's a feature. It's features. Um, mm. But, you know, I want to take my time and, and just keep perfecting my craft and also be looking for the right story at the same time. What was interesting, too, was Issa was telling us um, when she was talking about Kerry Washington, but just in a general sense that uh, she thinks actor directors are actually stronger because they can relate to the actor more and uh, just kind of speak like a, I guess, an unspoken language a little deeper than someone who's just a director. Yeah, she learned that after working with me, not with Carrie Wild. <laughs> um, you know, Carrie's great. She's really, really, she's new to this industry, but she's great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nah, uh, nah, Carrie was a G, man. I, 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 and I actually have to agree in some ways with, with Issa. I think. Even if, for me, it's like, even if you're not an actor turned director, I think if you've taken an acting class or sat in an acting class and had the chance to like learn an actor's process, so you then know how to speak to them, because I think to me, that is such a important thing. Like we, we think differently and speak differently, whether you went to film school or whether you went to acting school or whether you didn't go to acting school and you learned out here on your own and, and you know, bounced around the studios out here. Like we all speak a little differently, but Ultimately, I think, you know, when a director in, in, in our particular show, I think on Insecure specifically, like our show is story first. Um, and not to say that obviously the visual is not important, but like our story is so important to Issa and to Prentice and to all of our writers that if you can't connect with the actors and get them to give you different variations on things or to find things that we didn't even know were in the scene and to feel vulnerable and to get pissed off and like all of those explore all those range of emotions. If you don't know how to communicate with them and get that out of them, then I think in some ways you're shorting our story. Um, mm -hmm. And visually you're most likely going to get there and you have a safety net of people who are going to help you get there as well. Um, but yeah, I, I agree when you, when you can have someone that, that can, can, 
talk to you and pose questions to you and whisper in your ear to get you to think about something that, that the other actor doesn't know is going on. or doesn't know that it's happening. Like it is, it is a very powerful, powerful thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now we want to play um, this segment that we do with you called late pass, okay. which is where one of us, me or Cal admit to having seen a classic movie for the first time recently. So, in honor of you being on, I watched Top Gun for the first time last week. I had never seen it before. Pass. Were you, were you a fan of Top Gun <laughs> back in the day? Uh, I was a fan. So my dad was in the Air Force. My grand, I, my two grandfathers, my step-grandfather were in the Air Force. So, like, aviation is something that's been in my family, you know, 60, 70 years at this point, I feel like. So I was a fan of Top Gun. Um, I did see it very, very early. I remember seeing it on an Air Force base when I was a kid, and it was probably oh, wow. five or six years after the movie, four or five years after the movie came out, and the theater was sold out mm. um, with, like, Air Force dudes screaming at the screen because they loved it so much. Mm. And Navy and Air Force don't even get along. They got a rivalry. Like, <laughs> like they banging on streets in Little Rock. You know what I mean? Like, they don't even get along. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So... Um, and these dudes were like looking at the screen like they were seeing themselves. So um, that's my first memory of it. But yeah, I, I, I did like the film uh, in the beginning for sure. The first, the original, sorry. Were you? A- yeah. For, Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say for me, I, I wish I saw it in like a, a theater setting because it's like very big and loud, you know, like I feel like I wanted to like really get into it. Yeah, you do want to see it in a, on a big screen. I, I will say like, you know, I think the original you want to see on the big screen and, and this one even more so. I think there is no other way to watch that. I mean, you know, at some point it will move to smaller screens, but like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to tell you, all like some of the stuff I saw, I like, I don't know that I've even fully processed what it's like to be in a jet going a thousand miles an hour over yeah. the Pacific Ocean. And I don't think a TV will ever be able to give you that feeling in the same way that like a massive, you know, 40 foot, 50 foot by 50 foot screen will, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah. the sound system and all of that. That's great. Do, do you feel, I mean, because you have, you know, family in, in aviation, what have you, if, if a, if a theater full of air force people are turned up, I'm assuming that it, they feel that it was close to their experience, both on and off base. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, you know, I, well, I think there's a couple of things. I think one, we really never seen it before, right? We really never seen what we had seen previously. I think of military life had always been on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had never seen pilots, yeah. and so I think there was that. I think the the competition, the camaraderie, um, you know, driving on and off of an air force base like that. Those pieces of life had never really seen been seen before. Like we had seen films about the Vietnam War, we had seen Patton, we had seen films in wartime, but we had never seen films that showed what it was like to go through the day-to-day life of someone who's preparing to ultimately go have to defend the United States, right? And so, like, I think all those little things, like when I think of, like now when I watch the film and even shooting this one, like, I, I think of like, my dad was a mechanic in the Air Force, for example. And so like, I remember like on days where we didn't have school or, I got in trouble and I got sent home or like whatever. Like I would have to go hang out in a hangar with my dad uh, and like, while he was working on jets. Right. And he's working on F- F-16s at the time. And like his all like his, you know, friends who were also his coworkers, like they're all sitting there in fatigues, but like the talking to each other about everything from sports to like, whatever part they needed on this jet to like what they got at the commissary last week to what movie was going to be at the theater on base you know, next week. So like, you know, you start to like see that life. And, and I think that whether it's air force, whether it's Navy, whether it's army, like it is a shared experience that, that, that base life is a shared experience. Um, and the deployment life is a shared experience too, I think. Was there ever a time when you figured you might go into no. the air force? No. <laughs> i'm not that tough tough, bro i remember when i was in college i remember we were in oklahoma at the time i was in i went to high school in tulsa oklahoma and and i remember uh i was playing basketball and no schools were really looking at me i'd gone to a couple d3 schools but you had to pay for you know d3 schools were all crazy expensive Mm. and 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 my i remember going uh to my parents and i was like yo i don't know what i don't want to go to school 
in Oklahoma. And they were like, well, everywhere else is way too expensive. And Oklahoma State is like $4,800 a semester. So you're going to do that or you're going to go get a job or you're going to go into the military. And I was just like, (laughs) well, I guess I'll just go to Oklahoma State and just be up the street then for $4,800 a semester. (laughs) 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 I just mentally, I just was, you know, it is, you know, I I will say like the men and women who go out and fight for this country and they enlist, like, you know, they're strong people, man. And, And I think we you know, I think we sometimes don't give them the credit that's due uh, mm-hmm. that, that they deserve. Now, were you nervous or, or wary about taking on a sequel to Top Gun in that regard only because, you know, we see a lot of sequels to, um, you know, stuff that's been out for a while and, and has taken a while to get there and they always don't fare well and there's a higher level of anticipation. So were you ever wary about taking that on because of that or... Did the script just like sell you on it? Yeah, I mean, I think in general, like I always am like, nah, I don't know if I ever want to be a part of a sequel or a reboot or I think I, in general, I'm always nervous about those things because I'm like everybody else. Like I love the original so much for what it was. And sometimes I'm like, oh, you can't, you can't top the original. You can't beat it uh-huh. anyway. And then I think there were two different things that happened with this. I think number one, in the audition process, they asked us, uh, if you were willing to fly and i was like oh well that's already (laughs) that's already a whole new thing right there (laughs) to begin with uh and then two i think once i'd actually well actually three things now actually two i think the opportunity for me to work with tom cruise was huge um and not just in the way it's like oh you got to do a movie with tom cruise but like in the way where you know, this is an industry where it is really hard to stay on top for two years, let alone 40 years. Um, You know what I mean? Like it is, it is really hard to like go have an eight, $900 million Mission Impossible movie last summer and then go into production on a Top Gun and then immediately come out of production and go back into two Mission Impossibles. Like that is not normal. Like that's not easy. That work ethic is crazy. That, 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 filmmaking skill set is 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 unheard of like it's 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 the top right it's the pinnacle and so i think being able to work with tom for me like that was a huge thing because i i'm an over i i i'm an overachiever like i work all day long like i love work so to be able to be with somebody who did that was also really amazing for me and somebody who also loved their films and then i think three when you realize that tom had not made a sequel for 35 years Mm. and he had been asked many many times to make Mm -hmm. a sequel in those 35 years and you wonder well like why wouldn't you because you know it's gonna make a ton of money you know it's gonna do Mm -hmm. really really well and i think when you have somebody like that who has you know there's no there the only reason for him to say no is if he ever felt the story wasn't right Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, because everything else is like, well, you financially, you're going to win. You know, uh, the acclaim will be there because people are going to love it. And it's going to be seen all over the world. You know, all those boxes are checked. So the only reason, you know, you wouldn't make that is if the story wasn't right. And I think when you, you know, you get a chance to have a conversation with him and you hear his perspective on it, like he had got pitched, you know, to do it many, many times, but never felt that the story was right. And then when he heard this story, he was like, oh, this is it. This is, this is the, this is the reason why we come back. Makes sense. I mean, you, you mentioned working with Tom and, you know, Tom gracious loving that he came back to the to the franchise. Can you give us a Tom Cruise story? What's your favorite moment or me- most memorable moment working on Top Gun Maverick? Uh, I'll say, I mean, to me, it's still the first time I met the dude. I, I'll never forget. We were uh, we were at Jerry Bruckheimer's office doing a, um, a table read for the mm-hmm. script. And a bunch of us had got there early because we had to do like haircuts and fittings and all kinds of stuff. And so um, we're, we're, we're now all gathered together and we're in kind of this vestibule at these tables and there's these two doors that open up. And, and it just so happened to be somebody was like walking out of the door. And when they open up, you see this, this motorcycle pull up and this dude in like all black on the motorcycle. And immediately I turn and I hit, uh, 
think it was Miles Teller who was sitting next to me. I turned my elbow, Miles, and I was like, yo, that's Tom Cruise. And he's like, I know Tom. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Okay, Miles. <laughs> okay, you're a movie, so I get it. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I turn and look at somebody else. I think it was Monica Barbaro, and I was like, who plays Phoenix? And I was like, yo, Tom is here. And so she snaps her neck, and the door opens, and you see Tom literally in one fell swoop. It was like the camera was rolling. Somebody lit the scene. There was a gaffer over here, a wardrobe person over there. This dude hot, like literally gets off his motorcycle, pulls off his helmet, puts on his glasses, like hands or puts his helmet on his handles, walks through the door. Somebody hands him a smoothie and literally like walks right up to me. And he's like, hey, I'm Tom Cruise. You're jealous, right? Nice to meet you. And I brought my mind <laughs> was like, is this a movie? Like, is this a, is this the making of? Like, what is this right now? Because I, I, I just, I, I can't, I bullshit y'all not. Like, it was like, it was like it was a movie. Like, it was, it, the dude just had a glow and an aura behind him. Like, it was lit. Like, the set was lit. It was the craziest thing. And then the fact that, like, he walked up and introduced himself to me and knew my name. Yeah. I was like, bro, I know you. Why do you know me? <laughs> like, what's happening? Like, the world is upside down. Why do you know my name? I know He's in the Lawrence Hive. He's, he's Lawrence Hive. Oh, Tom would definitely be Lawrence Hive. <laughs> you know who's Lawrence Hive that, like, like, really hit me one day? Like, Samuel Jackson is Lawrence Hive. He hit me one day, and he was like, yo, I'm Lawrence Hive, just so you know. Wow. Like, oh, my God. That was, like, a moment for me. I, I was I was I was really shocked with that. I was blown away with that. That's a major cosign. Yeah, it's you, major. You might need to put that in the biggest font on top of your resume. Yeah, right. <laughs> Next time there's a Twitter debate yeah. about Lawrence, like, just so you know, <laughs> Sam L is Lawrence. Sam Hyde. L said, <laughs> yeah. "That's crazy." Um, I guess, you know, it, it, we've, we've talked a lot about what you've been doing and what you have going on, but, it, you know, it's always one of those interesting questions to ask, you know, a creative, where do you see or where do you want to take your career in the future? You know, do you, do you plan on going more behind the scenes with it? Or are you going role by role? Is there any type of grand plan or anything that you have? And especially given, you know, I'm sure you soaked up a lot of perspective on that from, like you said, someone like Tom Cruise has been in the game for so many decades at this point. Where? Yeah, you know, I look at Tom, I look at Will, I look at Denzel and Brad Pitt, and and I, I, I see the businesses that they built. Uh, Kevin Hart is doing it right now. Dwayne mm-hmm. Johnson has done it. Um, I see, you see the businesses that they've built. And like, they are not only telling stories that they are interested in, but they're also giving opportunities to uh, for other people to tell stories. And to me, like that, that is like what is a career that I, I am gunning for. Like that feels like success to me um, when I'm able to do the thing that I love, but I'm also, and even more importantly, so able to help somebody up here. I'm able to reach a handbag and help somebody come up here with me. Um, so they can tell their story and so they can make their show or their movie. Um, and so like, you know, I, I love what, I love what Jason Bateman is doing for an example. Like I love, oh, yeah. you know, what he's done, a, his just career as a whole, but then, you know, starting a company and doing Ozark and doing the outsider and, you know, being a director and an actor. Like, I, I don't think like for me acting is until they, until I can't walk. Yeah. You know I mean, or until they, until I start dying in movies from old age, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably when I'll tap out because I'm like I can't die too many times in a movie. That's just that's depressing. <laughs> like I think like when I get to that point, like maybe that's when I'll tap out as an actor. Like I, you know, I I love telling stories and I love I love sitting in a trailer and getting ready for work. I love being on set. I love figuring it all out. Um, but I do, you know, I, I'm I'm grateful um, to have all these different examples of like dudes who have and women as well um, who have. Kerry Washington is one of them actually who have you know, expanded their career beyond just being in front of a camera and they're able to tell stories in other ways. Like, I, I love that. And that is, that is, that's definitely like at my core, what I want to be doing, continue to be doing. And you mentioned earlier, you were writing some stuff too, huh? Yeah, man. I'm, um, I'm working on a bunch of stuff, man. I, uh, I'm writing a little bit, uh, which has been a lot of fun. It's been a good exercise. I wrote a, I wrote a script about, um, about like my boys growing up, like my four mm-hmm. homeboys growing up. And like, you know, I feel like nobody ever really talks about like 
what what four black boys playing in a neighborhood look like and what they look like when they're like five versus when they're 13 versus when they're 18. Mm -hmm. And so like that to me has been really fun and really interesting. Um, and then um, I might, I might, I'm playing with a book. We'll see what happens. Oh, wow. I've kind of been putting together a concept for a book uh, that's based on my imaginary friend uh, from, from childhood. Okay. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, and then, you know, I've been producing a little bit as well. Um, I, uh, I just finished a movie for Amazon and Blumhouse oh, nice. um, that I produced. That was a first time feature director, a uh, young dude named Manuel uh, from Houston, uh, Black Cat, uh, a young first time feature writer named Steven from Brooklyn, another black dude. Um, and, you know, giving them an opportunity to, to tell a story and working with Blumhouse and working with Amazon was, you know, absolutely amazing. And, we have Felicia Rashad in the movie. We have Mamadou uh, Ati in the movie, who was just in Prentice's movie on court. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, man, you know, just, just again, finding other ways to, to tell stories. Had a animated project at FX that I co-wrote uh, and produced with this amazing animator named Jaron Braxton. Uh, we did four episodes of this, this little tiny animated digital or uh, series for for fx's cake uh block that was cool we oh, got to okay. go with it so yeah man just you know having fun doing a bunch of stuff that's what's up staying busy man. trying man, trying these, these checks ain't gonna hit your account themselves you know what i'm saying <laughs> you gotta go get it gotta all right well jay well thank you very much really appreciate you taking the time out to uh to speak with us you know much success on this season of insecure and everything you got going in the near future. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it, man. Thank you, guys. No doubt. Thank you, bro. Stay All safe. Right. Yeah, y'all be safe out there. Definitely, definitely. About to wash my hands right now. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm Lawrence Hive signing off. Yeah. Peace. Later, y'all. I mean, we delivered. We del I think we told you that this interview was going to be dope. Shouts out, Jay Ellis, for uh, joining the pod and having a great time with us. Really appreciate how open he was and how honest he was with a lot of what uh, he's been doing and, and he's got going on and, you know, continued blessing to him in the near future. Definitely. And it's always dope. You know, it was dope to hear that, um, you know, the concept of an actor and the ensemble directing an episode is definitely not new. It happens all the time, yeah. but it was dope to hear that directing is like a really big passion for him. Like it wasn't just something that he was trying out mm -hmm. and it's really cool that he could try it for the first time in this, you know, this arena where he's comfortable, but for an episode that is, you know, an uncomfortable episode of the show in terms mm -hmm. of location, you know, it's not just like he's working yeah. in the same like LA locations that they always shoot in. Like he really went out there. It's a big task. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to flex, but when I talked to uh, Spike Lee about directing the five bloods, like he said, one of the hardest things working on that was just being in a place that it's not America. You know what I mean? It's a jungle. It's hot. You know, you can't really break up the monotony. You're just, you're going to the set and then everybody's going back to the hotel. So to be a first time director for something like that, that's a, a Herculean task. But, and, and you know, shouts to Jay, shouts to Issa for really giving people those types of looks, you know. Look. Th think of how many people come from or have worked with Insecure that are now, you know, currently in the scene, whether it's Prentice, Prentice Penny or Estella McGee. You know, there's just a lot of people that seem to be able to get oh, well, some really... Well, we should take that back. Back. Okay. This is Issa's OG. Oh, my bad. My bad. Well, shout, really, shouts out to Issa for giving people these types of looks. You know, a guy like Jay Ellis. I don't know. I don't want to say he couldn't have done like something like this on a show like The Game. But to have someone like Issa be like, boom, you want to direct, put your work in. We gonna fly you out, and then you know we're gonna see how you are in the field. It's a, it's it's a really good thing. You you, you wish you would have a boss that was a uh, that open and, and and letting you you know put on some training wheels and really get out there and doing your thing. So facts and you know. out in there in the deep end too. In a season that also sees episodes directed by Stella McGee and Kerry Washington. I mean, yeah. it's no, that's that's no bad company. Damn, Jay, you could uh, brush that dirt off your shoulder. You you, you winning so far, King. So uh, we're going to wrap this episode up this week, but we want to hear from you. We've seen Issa and Molly break up. We've seen Issa deal with the post-friendship breaking up. We've also seen how Molly is handling it now. We're a couple of episodes removed, so we want to know from you. 
hit us up at Complex Pop on Twitter and Instagram and let us know. What side are you on? Are you team Issa? You team Molly? How are you feeling about how they're working through this situation? Do you still feel like I'm wrong in being a Molly apologist? That's okay. I don't want to have deep conversations with each of you in the DM, but we could chop it up in the comments. Let me know what's really good. Um, Every Wednesday, we're dropping. We have an episode dropping this Wednesday, but every 6 o'clock a.m. Wednesday mornings, watch less. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Again, as always, you can keep up with the conversation at Complex Pop on Instagram and Twitter. Please tell a friend, like, comment, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff. It really helps us out. And if you help us out, we can in turn help you out even more. You want to see some bigger names. You want to There are particular episodes you want to see, uh, conversations you want to have with us. We want to bring you that content, so you got to give us the support so we can hook you guys up with that. Um, as always, I'm Cal for Frazier. Uh, shit, happy Memorial Day. Wash your hands. Stay to six feet at least from these people. We don't need anybody else catching this sickness. We want to get in the theaters at some point. It won't be this month, but it'll be at some point. Um, tune in and watch less. Peace. Peace. Watch Less is hosted by Fraser Tharp and myself, Cal. Our producer is Taliba Newman. Associate producer and sound engineer is Jasmine Plata. Production manager, Chancel Correa. Talent booker, Anthony Allred. Junior booker, Austin Bailey. Our director of talent relations is Kristen Price Harrell. And our senior director of operations is Jen Stewart. Watch Less is a part of the Complex Podcast Network. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.